0: Proverbs says, plan carefully and you'll have plenty. But if you act too quickly, you'll never have enough.
1: Welcome to On the Bright Side with Bobby Bollinger, entrepreneur, business owner, and spiritual life coach. Bobby and his brother Glenn own Alliance Sports Group, a collection of hardware and sports product lines, including Nebo tools and flashlights, sold in over 40,000 retail stores across America. Bobby would like your feedback. As a spiritual life coach, how can he help you? Questions, comments, prayers? Bobby reads every email and personally responds to most of them. Bobby at onthebrightside.org. Now, get ready for On the Bright Side with Bobby. And I don't know about you, or maybe it is just me, but does it seem like
0: that there's just never enough money? Do you feel like you're just out there trying to make a living, but the pressure to take care of everything from health care to taxes, which is coming up, is just overwhelming. Anybody feel like that? Well, I want to tell you that the pressure that you're feeling is so common that just about all of us can relate to it. In fact, speaking of taxes, it reminds me of a story about a businessman who's on his deathbed. He calls his, his best friend over and says, I want you to promise me that when I die, you will have my remains cremated. Okay, says his friend, and, but what do you want me to do with your ashes? And the businessman says, just put them in an envelope and mail them to the IRS. <laughs> and write on the envelope, now you have everything. <laughs> well, it's true. Too many of us are so used to living in this constant financial pressure cooker. To the point where, at times, there's a feeling of hopelessness that we'll never know an easier time. Well, God knows I don't have the secret for working out all your financial issues this morning, but I do know that while God uses money to test us and to see how spiritually mature we are, He doesn't want us to be drowning financially, and He's given us several very useful bits of wisdom through His Word to relieve this pressure and stabilize our finances. It's very simple. The first thing that we need to do is understand that what our real financial situation is. And to do that, we have to be willing to apply some math to it. We can't get it under control until we resolve our current status. The word says, know the state of your flocks and herds. Now, back then when they wrote this, everybody was a farmer or a rancher. Okay, but I relate to this because we have two dogs who cost almost as much to raise as our kids did. I mean, that's our flock. Okay, but once we understand our current situation, then the next thing we have to do is to plan our spending. And this is easier said than done. But you have to realize that because financial freedom is rarely based on income, but it's based on what we spend... And if we have bad spending habits, then it doesn't matter how much we make. Proverbs says, plan carefully and you'll have plenty. But if you act too quickly, you'll never have enough. Now to do this, we have to identify our spending weaknesses. Now this is going to hit home. Because most of us have them. And those are the things that you really don't have to have, but you go ahead and buy them anyway. We just have to remember that whole saying, the most important things in life are not things. My wife, God love her, she'll tell you that impulse shopping is a weakness of hers. And I often accuse her of graduating from the University of Nordstrom's because of all the hours that she's logged in there. But until we put a number on what we spend... And stick to it. We just won't make any progress. But the third thing that will do the most to stabilize your finances, believe it or not, is to simply tithe. God said in Malachi to test me in this and I'll open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings that you need. You see, when our finances are out of control, it's a symptom of an out-of-control life. And when we tithe, We demonstrate that we have some control. When we tithe, we make a powerful statement that's meaningful to God and meaningful to ourselves. We make a statement of gratitude for everything that God's given us. We make a statement of priority, that God is first with our finances. And we make a statement of faith in His promise that He's going to take care of us in the future. You know, we can't expect the Lord to continue to bless us if we aren't practicing some stewardship and some control over our finances. And as surely as I'm talking to you this morning, I'm talking to myself. And I'm asking God to forgive me for some of the unwise and careless decisions that I've made. And I ask Him to help me go forward using the wisdom of the Word. And And I'm believing in His promise for an abundant
1: life. Have you ever heard the phrase, the squeaky wheel gets the grease? Well, this saying also has a profound spiritual meaning. Stay tuned to hear how persistence gets God's attention. On the Bright Side, we'll be right back. And now, back to On the Bright Side, as Bobby Bollinger shares his unique layman's perspective as viewed through his lifelong journey of faith. Have you ever heard the phrase,
0: the squeaky wheel gets the grease? I I figured you had. Well, there are lots of examples of what this saying can mean in our everyday life. For instance, in, in our business, we refer to the squeaky wheel getting the grease in our collections department. Because as you know, when some people, uh, when you send some people a bill, they don't always pay it on time. So, I mean, for lots of reasons, but we've learned over the years that the most important component to collecting what is owed is to just make your request for payment often. Make it frequent and be very consistent. So we found when you squeak often, you get results. So I know you understand the concept, but you may not realize that the squeaky wheel concept is also a kingdom principle. And I'm going to explain that. It's a kingdom principle related to what kind of faith that we have. And to remind you of it, I have to tell you a story about a man named Bart. Actually, his name was Bartimaeus. We know everybody called him Bart. So it seems that when Jesus left Jerusalem one time and headed toward Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And during the trip along the road was Bart. And Bart was a beggar because he was also blind. Well, when he heard the crowd approaching and he learned that Jesus was among them, Bartimaeus got excited. He yelled at the top of his voice. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, the leaders of this horde of people coming down rebuked him. They told him to shut up. And Bartimaeus felt his window of opportunity closing. So what did he do? He ignored them. He yelled even louder, Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. Jesus heard him. Above the noise. And he stopped. He asked Bartimaeus, what do you want from me? And Bart said, Lord, I want to see. Jesus said, receive your sight now. Your faith has healed you. Now this story is told in several of the Gospels. But in Luke, in the very same chapter as this story of Bartimaeus, Jesus tells another story, a parable, about a persistent widow who felt in, like she had been, uh, not, was not receiving justice. So while she was being very annoying, she was so persistent that she still got results And this is what Jesus said about it. He said, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? You see, the Lord was showing us by his teaching and by a real life event that there is a difference between believing and in results-oriented faith. He could just as easily have called this lesson the parable of the squeaky wheel. Because the Lord says, pray. Pray. Keep praying. Don't give up. Keep coming at me. I will hear you and I will reward you for your persistence. You know something? I think Bartimaeus is a hero of the faith. You know why? Because he cried out to God. Because he didn't shut up when they told him to. Because he's a central figure in a major God principle about faith. He's a hero because when Jesus showed up, he stopped begging for a handout and he started begging for healing. You know, I don't know about any of you, but over too many years... Much to my own regret, I sat over there on the fourth row and was blessed by the worship and inspired by the message every Sunday. I knew I was saved and a believer. And I thought it was enough. I never put my faith to action. I never cried out to God to intervene in my life like Bartimaeus Never persisted. Never chased God like that. Well, fortunately, for me, God's grace is amazing and patient. But I know that whatever you are dealing with out there today, Jesus is the answer for you. You have a problem, he can solve it. You have a conflict, he can resolve it. You have hurt, he can heal it. You have stress, he can calm it. You have loss, he can restore it. You have doubt, he can destroy it. You have sin, he can forgive it. Whatever your situation is, Jesus is the answer, but believing is just the beginning of faith. You see, faith can be humble and receptive, but faith is not timid. Faith is bold, faith is active, and sometimes faith is loud. Because even if Bartimaeus believed, if he didn't cry out to the Lord and keep doing it, the Lord might have walked right by a blind beggar that day. So we have to keep praying. We have to keep crying out. We have to keep trusting the Lord. We have to keep being the squeaky wheel. Because that's when we can look forward to hearing the voice of the Lord. Say to us,
1: your faith has made you whole. The Bible says men will dream dreams. Stay tuned as Bobby shares how Jesus came to him in a dream and how life-changing it was for him. On the Bright Side, we'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying Bobby Bollinger's unique layman's perspective as viewed through his lifelong journey of faith on the Bright Side. I learned a new word this
0: week, and I became intrigued by this word, and I want to share it with you right now. Here it is. Okay, now when you first see this word, it looks like something on the menu at a Mexican restaurant, doesn't it? You're not sure what it is, but you think it's big. But it's not that at all. In fact, this word is pronounced, I think, magna nematos. Why don't you try saying it? Magna nematos. Well, the word is Latin. And, uh, of course, Latin is known as the dead language. But what fascinates me about this word is what it means. It means... Greatness of spirit. Years ago, I had a dream. I've never spoken of this dream publicly before. And the reason that I haven't is because I always felt it was impossible to articulate it in a way that anyone would understand it. But in my dream, God allowed me to have a glimpse of the persona of Jesus Christ. And in my dream... I was a bystander at a large arena filled with thousands of people and where the Lord Jesus Christ entered from the back of the arena and engaged in the people as he came forward toward the stage. And it was a modern setting. And the Lord was tall. He was well-dressed. He was an incredibly striking individual. And yes, he had long hair. And as he made his way down the aisle, he stopped and he greeted hundreds of people along the way. And there was considerable noise and excitement building as he moved forward. Throughout my dream, I never heard him say a word. I just observed him coming closer. And at one point, when he got close to me, for just a split second, he made eye contact with me. And that moment was unforgettable there was all at once a familiar familiarity and a desire to get closer and there was something about the way that he moved and the way that he smiled and the way that he enjoyed his surroundings and then I woke up abruptly and spent hours trying to think of how to explain what I felt when I saw him and that exercise left me so frustrated that I stopped trying until this week when I encountered this word magna Nimatas, greatness of spirit now outside of that dream I've never encountered anyone with such greatness of spirit but I have seen greatness of spirit in other people And I know it's there because the word tells us that you and I have this same greatness of spirit within us. The Apostle Paul explained to Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And all my life, I just thought that verse was about telling us that fear isn't from God. But it's also telling us what kind of spirit God has given us. A spirit of power. A spirit to love and a spirit to have a sound mind and to understand all the things around us. You see, what Christ has, what I witnessed in my dream, is his gift to you and me. You know, I would trade that dream I had for anything that I own. You know why? Because from that day to this, when I think of him, I see him as I did in that dream. And it changed my life. Can I ask you something? Do you see his greatness of spirit living in you? I can promise you that it's there. When we really seek after him, when we really have a desire to get to know him, his greatness of spirit comes spilling out of us. You say, well, how do, I, how do I find this greatness of spirit? I don't know. But someone much smarter, smarter than me said this. He said that the greatness of a person's power is in the measure of their surrender to the Holy Spirit. Magna nematis. It may be a word from a dead language, but the greatness of spirit That Christ has he miraculously planted in you and me so that we can be alive in him and live an overcoming and purpose-filled life in fact the Lord said this I tell you the truth anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the father What an amazing thing to say. My prayer for you today is that you discover all of the greatness of His
1: Spirit in you.